Welcome back to the Legacy Through Motherhood podcast. This is Stephanie, your host. And okay, you guys, <laughs> I have to tell you all about this interview before you listen to it. Just so you can appreciate my incredible, incredible awkwardness that I attempted to hide during this interview. And also, I could not let this interview <laughs> not air in 2020 because it is the most 2020-est of all interviews, okay? So <sighs> I have loved Barbara's books on women and wealth for a while now, specifically Secrets of Six-Figure Women. And recently, uh, Prince Charming Isn't Coming. They're just very much women empowerment and they're all about finances. She is actually, her dad is the R in H&R Block. So she grew up wealthy and she talks about her story in this, but basically her dad's financial advice was like, hey, you'll never have to worry about money. You know, you don't ever have to think about money. You're completely taken care of. Well, the problem was she married someone who she had to trust with her money because she didn't know how to handle money because her dad never taught her. Her family never taught her. And so she didn't really ever know what to do. But um, her husband ended up with an issue and anyways, basically lost all of her inheritance. And so she was basically like, okay, no, I'm freaking figuring this out and doing this on my own. And so since then, she has just been this amazing powerhouse of um, with just finances and women and all of these things. Anyway, so she's amazing. Okay. She's an amazing leader, <laughs> whatever. So obviously, if you know me and <laughs> know that I love to talk about finances, you guys, I had been so, so excited for this interview. I actually reached out to her in February of 2020. Note, my podcast started in December of 2019. So that was three months after I started. And to my surprise, she said that she could come on the podcast, but it would have to be November of 2020. So what, like eight months later. And so about a week before the interview, so at the time of this recording that I'm literally talking right now, you know, it was about a month ago. And I just followed up and I was like, hey, I'm just making sure you're still available. You know, I still have this on my calendar or whatever. And sure enough, she was like, yes, I'm totally ready. And, you know, she was even super excited about it. I'm like, awesome. Side note, okay. You would not know this if you've never been interviewed on my podcast, but I prefer to just do audio interviews and not video because I like to have my notes kind of in front of me. I like to write little things down or I like to highlight some points if I have something written down to kind of circle back to or whatever. I just, I like it like that because I can focus on the conversation and I don't have to like stare at someone on a screen. <laughs> you know what I mean? But you know, by this November, by like a month ago, I was feeling like, okay, I'm kind of like a pro podcaster now, you know, and I feel like video interviews on Zoom would be a great thing to start so that I can start putting them on YouTube, right? And it gets what all the cool podcasters are doing. Everybody's doing video podcasting, um, taking the audio and putting on a platform that you're probably listening to, but then they're also putting it on YouTube, okay? So I had the brilliant idea to have Barbara as my first video interview, okay? I was so freaking nervous, but I felt like just, I don't know, I felt like seeing her face to face would be so cool. And just having this conversation on something I'm super passionate about, which is women in finances and building wealth and having her there, like spewing her just passion and all that kind of stuff. I just felt like this would be uh, an amazing video I could just have forever, right? And I'd be able to put it on YouTube and upgrade my, you know, podcasting skills, whatever. Well, let me just tell you <laughs> how this played out, you guys. 
And I have to give all the credit in the world to Barbara, who handled me with complete grace during this during this time. So here's what happened. So I get on Zoom, okay, which is not a platform I typically use, but I get on Zoom for the first time about 10 minutes or so before our interview starts, just to prepare kind of mentally and emotionally for this interview. Mind you, about two hours prior to this interview, I found out I was pregnant with our fifth son. <laughs> I took a freaking pregnancy test and it was positive, which was a surprise. So my nerves and my emotions were already super heightened, right? So anyways, she logs on like five minutes early and kind of catches me off guard. Her face just kind of like pops up and I'm like, oh, <laughs> hey, you know, and I was like so excited, but I was also a little frazzled. And so we just kind of started talking before I hit record. I wish that I almost, I don't wish, but I almost wish this was all uh, recorded because it's ridiculous. Anyways. And so I was thanking her for coming on and she was like, oh my gosh, no, thank you for having me. Like I've done my research and I have never heard of someone doing the work you do. Like I absolutely love it. And I'm like blushing, right? Like, oh, wow, that's amazing. Thank you. You know? And I just kind of sheepishly say, wow, thank you so much. Like I've been doing this podcast for less than a year, but I love it. And I've started Budget Coach and she kind of stops me <laughs> and says, wait, aren't you the CEO of the, you know, so-and-so international company and, you know, close like billion dollar deals? And I just blink <laughs> and I'm just like, I'm sure there was a frozen smile on my face and I'm like, no. <laughs> and she goes, wait. You're Stephanie Sims, right? And I'm like, yeah. And she's like, oh, I thought, okay, well, wait, never mind. So what do you do? <laughs> oh, my goodness, you guys. Cue me feeling about 400 times smaller than I was. Like wishing I was not on video staring straight into her eyeballs <laughs> as she realized I was not who she thought I was clearly both of us realizing that she thought I was some, you know, amazing international businesswoman from Arizona, uh, Arizona, closing like billion dollar deals. But the girl sitting in front of her is a small time podcaster from Ohio. So here we are <laughs> sort of at a crossroads, you guys. I felt so awkward because I'm like, dude, if it took this other Stephanie Sims, who's clearly amazing and got it together, right? eight months to book 45 minutes with her, then I'm like, she's got to be thinking, I ain't got time for this. <laughs> Who is this girl? But you guys, she was so gracious and she was so kind and she did not act like that in the least. She was um, super just so thankful to be on and just to have this conversation. And we went on with the interview as if all was well in the world. So honestly, I <laughs> <laughs> I think I kind of blacked out during this interview. So if I am like saying anything awkward or whatever, just give me some grace. Okay. Because I just, oh man, it was just a day. All right. And I'm not sure that this video of, <laughs> I'm not sure this video of this conversation will ever surface because my face is probably like as red as I don't know what. And I feel like I just blanked out. Like, I feel like I forgot every question. I feel like I forgot every single thing I knew, every book I've read about finances. <laughs> just, I went blank. Okay. So this interview starts right after we figure all of this out. So 
Without further ado, I do want to share this conversation with you with this amazing, amazing author, financial therapist, and just all around powerhouse, Barbara Hewson. All right, Barbara, thank you so much for coming on the Legacy Through Motherhood podcast. Oh, thank you for having me. <laughs> um, can you just tell my listeners a little bit who you are and what you do? So I am... I am a financial therapist and wealth coach, and uh, I, I, I'm really about, I focus on women, wealth, and power, which is absolutely crazy that I'm doing this. It's like insane because I knew nothing about money for most of my life. I grew up wealthy. My father was the R of H&R Block, and the only advice he ever gave me about money was, don't worry, yeah. <laughs> don't worry, which I thought was great advice. I didn't want to worry. I didn't understand money. I just wanted to spend it. And of course, I married a man who was a stockbroker and he was a financial planner. So he was perfect, right? But I found out very early in my marriage that he was a compulsive gambler. And over the course of our 15-year marriage, and I only stayed married to him for 15 years, but I let him manage the money because that's how intimidated I was by anything financial. And finally, after 15 years and him losing almost all my inheritance, we got a divorce, but I decided money's not my, my thing. I don't, I, don't, I don't want to deal with money. Well, I had this theory, if you don't deal with money, your money will deal with you. And I got tax bills for over a million dollars for my ex, oh my <laughs> for, bad, for illegal deals my ex got us in for, for all, he just, he really mismanaged the money. And I didn't have anywhere close to a million dollars, not even, not even close. My ex had left the country. My father wouldn't lend me the money. I had three daughters. One was just a baby. I was not going to raise those kids on the street. And, and I really, I, I studied and I, I read books and, and I went to classes and I couldn't, I couldn't understand money, but I was committed. And I really believe when you are committed, there, there's no back door. The universe revolves to help you reach your goal. And I was a journalist. And I was hired for a freelance project to interview women with money, with, who are savvy about money, women who are savvy about money, women who are smart. And those interviews changed my life. I not only got smart about money, but I wrote my first book, Prince Charming Isn't Coming, How Women Get Smart About Money. And I, eight books later, yes, 25 years later, I am doing, I am helping women get smart or smarter about money, making it and managing it. I love it. And I've read um, Prince Charming Isn't Coming. I've read Secrets of Six Figure Women. Um, I love your entire message about this because it's so true. Like we, for whatever reason, and like you said in your book, it's not even that Prince Charming is a man. It is literally like any, it could be anything, you know, that we feel like is, is kind of a safety net for us. And it is just still so prevalent that women just don't even, I mean, something as simple as a budget, as, as a budget but also even, I mean, investing is a little more complicated, but it really doesn't have to be. And it's really just this, like, I almost feel like there's this, just this barrier that we don't want to go there and learn, but really we need to just seek out advice. Why do you feel like women just don't, don't really want to go into that space? It's not that they don't want to. I don't believe it's not that they don't want to, it's that they're scared. Mm -hmm. I believe we have been conditioned. We have been programmed just like men have been groomed to be successful, we have been groomed to be dependent at worst, 
but definitely not wealth builders at best. And I think the big deal is they don't understand it. And I know for me, I realized that getting smart or smarter about money, creating wealth is, is a three, well, actually it's a four prong process. It's the outer work, the inner work, the higher work, and the deeper work of wealth. And the outer work is the practical stuff, knowing the difference between a stock and a bond and how to buy real estate and negotiating for a raise. But if you can't get that, like I couldn't, then it's important to do the inner work, which is the, the emotional, the psychological. And that's where I think the blocks are. And, but what the, the higher work is also very important because for women, once we have food on the table and a roof over our head, Generally speaking, women are not motivated by money. Yeah, we want to make money. But what motivates us is to be able to help others, to do what we're on this planet to do. And, and that's what's important. That, that's the spiritual element. And then there is the, the, what I call the deeper work of wealth, which is the mind-body connection, which is, which is really about how our brain has been programmed and rewiring our brain, which is the subject of my latest book. Your latest book, which comes out in January. Mm -hmm. Yes. <laughs> yes. And I feel like, so I do a lot of work on money mindset and your childhood experiences and how much, just even like what your parents said, even like simple things like the money doesn't grow on trees or, you know, time is money, or just even those like little nuances, I feel like that are told to you, or, you know, we don't make as much money as the exes. You can't have, you know, new Jordans every week or whatever it might be. You know what I mean? And so I feel like just even those comments that we're getting as children, that just lays the foundation for what we think about money. And so how important, I know you said it's a four. So do you feel like if all of it is equally important or do you feel like the mindset or maybe the outer work, like what comes first? Do you feel like? I, I, I don't know what comes first. It's like probably people start, start with the outer work. Right. And then when they can't, then you go deeper. So for me, so I was raised with the belief, I went in no explicitly, in no uncertain terms, men make and manage the money, not women. You don't do it. And so I'm not stupid. I got a graduate degree, but I couldn't understand it. And uh, I, I read books and, and, and I went to classes, could not understand it. And, and so I went to a therapist and I remember sitting down with him and I said, oh, I really want to get smart about money. I really do. Just help me, help me get smart. And he looked me in the eye and he said, no, you don't. And it was like, I couldn't argue. <laughs> well, dang. Yeah. It was, there was a part of me that didn't want to get smart. There was a part of me I learned over time that was terrified that if I took charge of money, I'd lose it all. Mm -hmm. I was terrified that my parents wouldn't love me, would, would disown me, or they would be upset. I was, I was terrified that a man wouldn't love a woman who was financially successful. And I, I didn't know those things consciously at all. But once I started working through them, then I was able to part the waters and suddenly I could get smart. Right. You could then have the mental capacity and the space to learn about all of the other yes. stuff that it takes. Mm -hmm. And I didn't have the resistance. I know in my work with women, I always say it's, it's not the money. It's not the money that, that's the hard part. It's getting them past their resistance, past their fear. And, and resistance is a big, big 
big thing that keeps women back. And, and the resistance, all, all resistance comes from fear. And at the core of all fear is a belief. And that the base of that belief is a decision they made early in life about themselves and money. And once you can get to that, then it frees you. It frees you to move forward. Yes. And it's really interesting to um, just general, this could be, I'm sure that there's things that don't line up with this, but a lot of times like generationally, you'll see the same stat economic status between families, because again, like what your thoughts are as what you're saying out loud, which is what your children hear, which forms their beliefs, which is comes their thoughts, which is how they just know. Like if your parents were saying, you know, that you don't have to worry about money and whatever else, then that's obviously like what you're going to think and then pass down to whoever you're talking to. And so it is, it's, it's big work. And it's funny. Cause so I work, I like do, I'm a budget coach also with just some women. And I'm like, we all know how to like get out of debt, right? Like we just spend less than we make. It's really not that about difficult, but it's the emotional piece. It's this mindset piece. It's this, you know, I feel like rich people are selfish and poor people are noble. And the, you know what I mean? There's this whole narrative yeah. underneath the but surface. There, there's something more here. About six years ago, I started feeling like something was missing in my work with women. Kind of what you were saying. Mm -hmm. and, and I couldn't figure out what it was. And I took some time off just to feel like, what is this missing piece? And one day an article about neuroscience came in my inbox and I started reading it. And it's like a light went off in my brain and I thought, this is it. So what happens? And so for six years, I've been incorporating neuroscience study of the brain into in with my work. So what happens is we have these beliefs, these messages from our parents, from our culture, from the schools, from our religion, and it gets wired in our brain. And our brain controls our behavior. Our, our brain controls our spending, our saving. And so we can try to change, but unless we change the wiring in our brain, it is going to be an uphill battle. So I think that it's not just it's not just about changing your mind, it's also about rewiring your brain. And so what does that I mean your whole your book is called Rewire for Wealth. So I'm sure you go very in depth, but what is that? Can you talk a little bit about yeah. like what that would look like just on a very obviously 10,000 foot view level? Oh, easily, easily. So the brain is an organ in our body, right? It sits in our skull. And it works through electrical chemical impulses. Our mind, which is not an organ, it's an, an intangible entity that's a source of thoughts and feelings. And when you understand how the mind and the brain work together, that's how you rewire. And there's what flows through the mind is what wires the brain. So in other words, when you have a thought, like you have a thought that money's bad, money's evil. And so that thought then goes into the brain. And it digs like a ditch, which is called the neural pathway. And those neural pathways determine our behavior. And so every time you think money is bad, you dig that neural pathway deeper until it becomes a hardwired habit. And then you just mindlessly think money is bad. And then you behave in ways that keep you from that money or keep money away or confirm that belief. Yeah, that makes sense. And I feel like 
I like that you're putting actual science and words behind what I've, I've been like kind of saying this, but I'm glad that you articulated that way because like there, there comes a point in my, I coach for, it's a 90 day coaching. And there comes a point where there's a lot of resistance, like you were saying that comes up between like the, the women and their money and their budgeting and whatever else. And I'm like, listen, <laughs> here's what's happening. What's happening is you have been telling your subconscious or whatever for so long that you can't have money. You can't build wealth. You cannot be debt-free because of your student loans or whatever it might be. And now you are using a lot of mental and emotional and physical energy to create a budget that works for you, to stick to that budget, to have conversations with your husband. And your subconscious is like, oh my gosh, can you stop? You are literally putting so many resources into something that is impossible because you've been telling yourself it's impossible, right? To be out of debt or whatever. So when you start to like make movements towards that, your whole body just shuts down, I feel like. Scientifically, our brains developed with, for one purpose, one purpose only, and that was survival, mm -hmm. to keep us safe. So that was great for our prehistoric ancestors, but now our brains are still wired to keep us safe. So if we think that getting smart about money or creating wealth is dangerous, we'll have repercussions in some way. There is no way. So going, so it's not just so the subconscious, but going against that, those neural pathways, there's three reasons why it's so hard. First, because those neural pathways have this fierce gravitational pull that will just suck you in. Every yeah. time you go to do something different, just like this giant Hoover, it just sucks you in. Yeah. <laughs> the second thing is, so every thought releases chemicals. So every time you go to think different or go to do something different, you go through a chemical withdrawal. It literally withdraws and your body fights that just as if you stopped drinking and you were an alcoholic. Right, yeah. It, it goes through detox. And also anytime you're tired or stressed or, or upset, you just automatically gravitate towards the deepest neural pathway. So it's, it's, a, it's a tough slog unless you understand how to, to rewire those pathways. Yeah, my goodness. I, I mean, I feel like, I, I mean, I'm still learning so much. Uh, we've been on our own journey, like we talk, talked about before I hit record of, but I mean, I got so much to learn. So that, that makes total sense. Oh my we goodness. We all have so much to learn. Yeah, yeah. but it's a journey. I'm, yes, it's a journey. I always say, I am doing, I've been doing this for 25 years. And I always say, when, I, when, I, when I've got it down, I'm, I'm done. done. <laughs> I'm still done. It's all, yep. that's what makes money fun. There's always yes. more to learn. Yes. And there's always different ways to invest or, you know, just even, and they're always just coming out with more science behind things. You know what I mean? So I feel like that's all really interesting just in general. I do. I do. And, and the thing I've found about women, our problems with money are, are never, are rarely about money. Never. They're about our fear of or ambivalence about power. Mm. And I first realized this years ago when I wrote my first book, Prince Charming Isn't Coming. And I remember I could see that women, before they got smart, they struggled with their fear of power. And I'll talk more about that in a second. Yeah. And I remember asking a psychologist who specialized in money, why women are afraid of their power. And she said something that gave me chills, still gives me chills. She said, powerful women have been burned at the stake. And I believe that it's in our collective unconsciousness that we as women have been, had, had dire consequences if we asserted ourselves, if we were powerful. Mm -hmm. 
And I think that's it. And I define a powerful woman as someone who knows who she is, who knows what she wants and expresses that in the world unapologetically. So, uh, so essentially our fear of power is our fear of becoming fully who we are. Mm-hmm. So we water ourselves down so we don't make waves. And really wealth, it, it's not about having more money in the bank, that's nice. But wealth, it's about who you have to become to create that wealth. Right. And I feel like it's really hard to even just step in. I mean, just specifically about money. Um, I know that you were talking, you talk a lot about under earning as women, Um, just that's like a common topic that you talk through. And I feel like um, you were, you had given an example in one of your books, I can't remember, but about asking for the daggone, not even raise, but like when you, when you get at or told a salary, like I would just take it. My husband would absolutely counter. I absolutely would not. And I feel like that's, I mean, I know my sister-in-law, she has to be like counseled by my father-in-law to be like, just ask them for more money. It's fine. You know what I mean? Or like men will typically, even if they're not qualified, they're like, whatever, what the hell? I'll just, you know, apply for this job where I'm like, I have to have every single little thing. And so do you feel like that is like, I don't know, is that related to just us not really wanting to step in or like, I don't know, call it, call what we're worth, what we're worth. Exactly. I think part of it, we haven't been groomed to do that. We haven't been raised for that. Um, but yeah, that, that is power means speaking up and asking for what you want and saying no to what you don't. And this is scary for women. Yeah. I feel like it's just it. And why do you think that, I mean, outside of just even being conditioned for that, like, what do you feel like the hardest part about just stepping into our power is, is it the fact that we have not really been taught that we're allowed to, is that kind of what you're alluding to? I think we're scared we'll be punished, even if we don't realize that consciously, because historically we have and many cultures we still are and many families we still are so you know i think it's a in our brain which is here to protect us will shut us up rather than encourage us to go for it so what do you feel like for women who are just really struggling to even wrap their mind around the fact that wealth could even be possible for them? Like, what are, what are some of the things maybe that you coach people through, or you are working with? Like, what is the, one of the biggest um, barriers between women and wealth? Do you feel like it's their belief system? It's exactly everything you said. It's their belief system. It's what they grew up with. It's about seeing that it's possible. There are three levels of financial development. There's survival, there's stability, and there's affluence. Survival is not enough. Stability is just enough. And affluence is more than enough. Going from stability, from survival to stability, you have to have a profit motive. Money's a good thing. You love money. You yes. want money. That's really important. To go from stability to affluence, to wealth, to more than enough, Profit is no longer your primary goal. Yes, yes, you definitely want, you definitely have a desire and intend to make good money. Sure. But the primary goal of affluence is no longer profit. It is greatness. And I define greatness, paraphrasing a quote by Fred Buchner, is that place where your your deep gladness meets the world's deep hunger. Mm. And, And that is... So I came to this years ago, when was it? After I had written Overcoming Under Earning, after I had 
made six figures and I was doing great. And one night I woke up and I decided I had a new goal. I want to make millions and help millions and give millions. And I thought, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to interview women who make millions and that's going to be my next book. So I interviewed all these women who made millions, who earned it. I, I had no trouble finding them. But three years later, I had no book and I was nowhere near making millions. And I remember I had a, a, a coach at the time and she said, Barbara, you're too into doing, you need time for just being. Mm -hmm. So I took all my transcripts and I went away for four days and did a four day retreat. And I looked and, at these transcripts and I saw what I'd missed, that these women who were making such outrageous sums, I was kind of blinded my, by my own desire to do the same. But what I missed was how they were doing it. They were playing a very different game than what the world models. And this game I called sacred success. And I defined sacred success as pursuing your soul's purpose for your own bliss and the benefit of others while being richly rewarded. Mm -hmm. And I think going from stability to affluence is very much purpose-driven, not just profit-driven, profit but purpose-driven. Sure. Yeah. And I feel like too, when we talk about wealth, I, I feel, I think that a lot of people think, unless you're like in the financial world and you know, this isn't true. I think that a lot of people think that people who are wealthy are like, um, you know, have been inherited some kind of wealth and the majority of millionaire millionaires are not are our first generation millionaires. And so I think it's interesting that people think that wealth or being a millionaire is so far fetched, which us four years ago, I was like, yeah, that's that would never happen in my lifetime. But when you actually start to understand how money works and you start to understand passive income and you start to understand how to make your money work for you in different ways to invest, it's like, well, a million actually doesn't seem that intimidating. <laughs> so do you feel like as people learn, they are learning? That's actually not as much as you think. Well, there's three, what I call the three rules of wealth. Spend less, save more, and invest wisely. And you need to do it in that order. You need to spend less than you have, than you earn, save more than you need, and then invest in assets that will grow faster than inflation and taxes can take it away. And I think it's the investment part that intimidates us. It intimidated me for, for years. Sure. Um, and the thing about investing is it's so much simpler than, than it seems. I mean, there, there's a whole industry to control. Right, there's a whole, there's a lot of options, but. <laughs> but, but, but it's simpler than it seems, and it doesn't take a lot of money to create wealth, and it doesn't take a lot of time, and it's best to start when you're young, but it's never, ever, ever too late. Yes. So spending less, saving more, and investing wisely, and the thing about investing is it doesn't, it doesn't take a lot of time, and I, I'll give you three steps, simple steps to, to create wealth, and this is what I did because it's small steps consistently taken that create the remarkable results. So if every day you read something about money, even if it's just for a minute or two, even mm -hmm. if you're just perusing the headlines of the business section of the paper, even if you're just standing in line at the supermarket and you pick up Money Magazine instead of People Magazine and you leaf through it. Because getting smart, is so much about the, the understanding the jargon and the current trends. So every day, just read something about money. You know, before you go to bed, get a finance book and, and read a paragraph. Mm -hmm. So every day, read. Every week, have a conversation about money. 
preferably with someone that knows more than you. And yes. I think women, our secrecy and silence keeps us stuck. We don't talk, I mean, we'll moan and groan and bitch about it. Oh, sure. When's the last time you've sat down with a colleague or a friend or someone who's smart and said, how did you get smart? Yep. What did you do? What were the mistakes you made? What advice would you have for me? So every week, every, every day read, every week talk, and every month save. Automatically have money uh, transfer from your checking account or your payroll check into a savings account. Mm. I love so that. you do those and you'd be amazed in two or three or four months how much more you will know. Right. Because if you, I mean, if you made a million dollars and spent a million dollars, then you're still living paycheck to paycheck every single month, you know? So it really isn't about the income. It, because money, wealth does not come from what you earn. Not at all. Wealth comes from what you do with what you earn. Yes. Well, and I, I was reading, oh my gosh, what was it? I think it was Rich Dad, Poor Dad, possibly. And it was talking about at the end, or no, it was the same author. Nope. I don't know. doesn't matter. Um, but they were talking about how, um, oh, T. Harv Ecker, that's who it was. But they were talking about world-class mindset about and what they think about money versus poor or middle-class mindset. And they said that people who are poor or middle-class think that talking about money is rude or it's offensive, where upper-class or world-class thinking about money thinks of it as an intellectual conversation, which makes a lot of sense because if you are, regardless of like actual income, but if you are really insecure about money or you, there's a lot of shame and a lot of guilt, that's not, you're not going to want to talk about that. Right. And so if somebody asks you, you don't want to, you know, open up about that. That's like awkward <laughs> or whatever. But if you are somebody who is smart with money and like you said, reading about things, having conversations, then when somebody comes to you and says like, Hey, you know, what do you think about this investment or whatever? You think of it as intellectual because you want to grow. I think if we women, we may not feel intellectual. We may not even feel competent. Mm -hmm. But if we could start talking about money, and, and I've created a, an online community called the Wealth Connection for women where we just talk about money. We talk about investing, but we also talk about our shame and our fear and all of that. And I think it's really important, no matter how you feel, because they found that the reason women don't invest is because they lack the confidence. Mm -hmm. And they lack the confidence, not because they lack the knowledge. Because I can't tell you how many women who are in the financial industry come up to me after I speak or call me as client for client to be clients. And they say, I do this for a living but my own finances are a mess. Are a mess. And I think the more we can talk about money as women, mm -hmm. not just the practical, but our emotions around it, we can make huge progress. Absolutely. Because especially, I mean, I feel like when you open the door to just talk about it and ask questions, then you're opening the door to learning and, you know, getting rid of that shame and the guilt. And it's so funny, like the people, some of the women that will engage me on Instagram or wherever else and be like, Hey, I see that you've been doing this budget coaching stuff, but like, I, I don't think I want to do it. My finance, it's, it's too messy. Like you're not going to see it, you know? And I'm like, and then I just call them into it because I'm like, you, you literally can't scare me, but you can tell that they're like, I don't want to show somebody this, but the second, I mean, the second they sign up this within a day, they're just hundred miles an hour about their finances. You know what I mean? And I'm like, man, it's just the second you can shine a light on your finances, regardless of what situation you're in. It just is like a breath. Of, it's just this weight that is lifted off completely. 
So this is also subject, but I have to know, what is that sign in the back, right, oh. that your hand is in the back of you say, <laughs> the most important work you will ever do is within the walls of your home. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I have to know. I'm so sorry. No, that's okay. Oh, no, my head's like right in the middle of it. Yeah. No, we have four boys, four little boys. <laughs> that's so cool. Yep. Two, four, six, and eight. So they're like tiny. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, you're busy. Oh, yes. Oh, my goodness. Um, okay, so um, your new book comes out in January. Is there anything, can you like just talk a little bit more about that? Um, and then if you want to tell my listeners like where they can find you and whatever else, I would love to close out with that. Yeah, the book is called Rewire for Wealth. And there's this really long subtitle that my, my publisher wanted. It's, and I can't even say it, just Rewire for Wealth is all okay. you need to know. <laughs> and uh, and, and it really is about how to how to train your mind to wire your brain for wealth and well-being because having wealth without well-being, what's the purpose for wealth and well-being? And you can get a hold of me in barbara-hewson.com. That's my website, barbara-hewson.com. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on and sharing all of this, all this knowledge and everything with my listeners. Thank you for having me. Okay. What an awesome conversation. You know, it's funny when I listened back to this, I'm like, oh, this was actually a really, really great conversation. I kind of felt a little overwhelmed during it. So I feel like I blacked out a little, but listening to it back, I mean, you guys, I've learned so much from her, just even from her books. Um, I love, love, love Secrets of Six Figure Women. We talked about that a little bit in this episode. I love Prince Charming is Not Coming. It is very, very empowering for women to kind of get their ish together because um, she, whatever, I'm not even going to go into it. She talks about all kinds of stats in that book and just why it is so important for women to have a hand in their finances. And I say a lot with my budget clients and just in general, you know, and when Justin and I got out of debt, like you both have to be in the boat. <laughs> and then it's best if one person is driving the boat, but you both have to be in the boat. Like you both have to know what the heck is going on. Now it works better when one person is driving and one person is like really handling the budget and getting the cash out and, you know, and just keeping a pulse on your finances, but you both have to have that conversation, right? Like you both have to sit down and agree on whatever. You both have to be savvy. You can't you know, God forbid one of you guys pass away and the other one doesn't even know the password to get into the bank account, you know, like, so yes, there is typically this, um, you know, balance where one person takes more ownership in finances, but you at least both need to be a part of it. And so I've learned so much from that. I have not read her book, um, Overcoming Under Earning, but it is about the just horrible, um, statistics that are out there of how much women are under earning and it's a it's a worthiness issue um it's just like we talked about you're just almost groomed to you know not not make as much there's a lot of conversation obviously just around the world in the US about women pay um compared to men and all kinds of things and when you're reading um uh, Prince Charming isn't coming in conjunction with the six figure uh, secrets of six figure women in conjunction with overcoming under earning. There is just this like, I don't even know what to call it, but whirlwind of this realization like, oh, <laughs> wake up. Like there's so much about finances that, it, that we can learn. And it is 
intimidating, right? Like it is intimidating if it's something that you're insecure about, but also just like she said, read a little bit every day. Like it isn't as complicated as I think we make it seem. It kind of makes me think of the analogy where, do, where I can't remember where the heck I heard it, but basically something intimidating. It's almost like a shadow where the further away you are from even think about like your own shadow, it's huge on the wall, right? And then as you get closer and closer and closer, the shadow or the intimidating factor or whatever gets smaller and smaller and smaller. And so the closer we are in proximity to whatever we're scared of, be it finances, be it faith, be it, you know, whatever else, the closer we can get to it, the less scary it is. And so I love talking about finances. I absolutely loved this conversation with Barbara. She was so gracious. You could tell that she was just all in for this conversation. And I am, you know, how 2020 is that? Like, I don't know how this loophole happened (laughs) that I got to sit like face to face with her. Um, I mean, I'll take it. I will take it and I will run with it and I will cherish this interview forever, even the awkward story at the beginning. Um, I just loved everything about it. So I am so thankful for her. Her new book comes out next month. It's called Rewire for Wealth. And it was, it's really about um, what she talked about where it's like, it's truly rewiring your brain. It's not even just thoughts, though it is like your thoughts about money. It's truly like digging new grooves in your brain when it comes to finances. And I'm sure you could apply this any other area of your life as well. So all of that to say, I hope you all enjoyed this interview. I hope that it just opened your mind. If you are somebody who is like, oh, I hate finances with every fiber of my being. Um, I just want to invite you into the conversation. I love talking about it. Um, You know, feel free to DM me on Instagram. Check out Barbara's website. Check out her books. Um, I get a lot of them on just like audiobooks and pop them in. And even I feel pretty confident with finances, but I am always, always, always listening to some kind of book financial wise, some kind of financial book I have in queue with something there is. And I am always having like these huge epiphany moments, right? I'm still having aha moments. So it's just this journey. Like she said, when she, when she's done learning, she's done, (laughs) she'll be dead. So, you know, so it's just, it's just with anything in life, with anything in life, right? Like we just, it's a constant, constant journey. It's constant maturing, new thoughts, new experiences, whatever. So I encourage you guys to pick something up. Some of my favorite books really quickly. I already named some of Barbara's, which are my favorite. Um, Rich Dad, Poor Dad is another one of my favorite. I mentioned that one in here. Uh, Secrets of Six Figure. Nope. That's what I just said. That was hers. Um, Secrets of the Millionaire Mind by T. Harv Ecker. That's another amazing, amazing book. That's a lot about money mindset. So check out one of those if money is something that you are wanting to kind of dive into. It's a easy way to start learning about it. Um, Okay. Well, you guys, I will talk to you next week and I hope that 2020 ends in a good note for everybody. And I look forward to continue walking with you and helping you find your grit while completely covering you in grace.